2: Tom Bernard Show with Ralph D. the Hackmaster.
3: Andy Brad Bernard.
1: Cassie Schrader.
3: And Catherine will be here, too, in a couple of minutes. Be right back. Tom Bernard Show.
4: Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company. And they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
3: Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, and working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is, we pay the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to Walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Here's our theme.
1: From, I love this song.
3: From your- great song. It is a great song. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Catherine will be here in a couple of minutes. Everything is good. Uh, Bill Clinton challenged about how his sexual transgressions look in the hashtag MeToo world, responded with a defense that stressed how much he had done for women as a politician to a considerable extent. That is beside the point in today's context. Don't you mean besides? Yeah, besides the point as it's written here where putative uh, supporters of women's rights such as New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman have been forced to step down because of disturbing allegations about their treatment of women. Yeah, Cassie. (laughs) Way to go. Uh, hmm. We are not going to fact check the entire statement. Clinton later uh, in the interview admitted he had not personally apologized to Lewinsky, the intern with whom he had an affair while president. He had simply apologized in general. Would you call having sex in your office an affair? No, it's no. just
2: sex. No, it was it was subjugation of an an underling. Right. It was what it, what we call abuse of power.
3: Yep, that's exactly you know, what sexual it is. abuse. Um, I don't have a whole lot of pity for her. No, I understand that. I you know she knew what she was getting involved in, but still, you can't lord over men or women. And she yeah. made a career of it
5: which was the kind of scummy part. Why who did, who
3: else did she do it with?
5: Well, no, I mean like she spent the next like 10 years going on like writing books and going on tours and oh, yeah. all sorts of stuff. But it takes uh, what
2: is it? it? Takes two to tango. Tango.
3: Yeah,
5: tango. You know, and when, uh, when
2: when someone an intern comes to you and says, "Hey, I'd like to have sex with you as the as the person in charge, you're responsible." to say, no, that's inappropriate behavior in this situation. Not question. unless that's we how you get te-
3: into a relationship. Oh, that's right. No, that's it. I have a question for you. So um, how did the his spermatozoa end up on her dress? That's what I'd like to know. How did that happen? <laughs> lack sure. of birth control? <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently.
2: <laughs> uh, where, where, where was it on her dress? Uh, on the lower front, apparently. Uh, I can't answer that question. <laughs> there because, you go. Uh,
3: in any case, <laughs> he had simply apologized in general, which is not what the interviewer originally asked. We were amused that Clinton slipped in the phrase for their percentage in the bar. Oh, let me read this statement because they're, they're re-referencing things. Uh, this is Pres- former President Bill Clinton. Yes, I have apologized to Monica Lewinsky, and nobody believes I got out of that for free. I left the White House $16 million in debt, but you typically have ignored gaping facts in describing this, and I bet you don't even know them. This was litigated 20 years ago. Two-thirds of the American people sided with me. They were not insensitive to that. I had several—excuse me, I had a sexual harassment policy when I was governor in the 80s. You didn't have it. The state had it. I had two women chiefs of staff when I was governor. Women were overrepresented in the attorney general's office in the 70s for their percentage of the bar. I have had nothing but women leaders in my office since I left. You are given one side and, and omitting facts. Every time somebody's argued with me in that manner, they were guilty as hell.
2: Oh, as hell. <laughs> it is all over him. He you know, cannot wipe it off.
3: That guilty is all over him. It is all over him. Look, whether it's Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels or it's Bill Clinton and— and uh, Monica Lewinsky, why don't you people run the country and serve the people instead of yourselves? How about that? <laughs> run the, it's
2: just a thought. That's right. And keep your keep your keep your mind off your wiener. Keep your schwanz <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that's what they 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 shouldn't do that. They just shouldn't be behaving like that. But in the White House, yeah, I don't know. That was like really pretty rough. And that's sexual harassment, uh, premium sexual harassment. And no one wants to admit that. And he he's not going to admit it. No. Uh, but you know. Good so he, for him. women were
3: overrepresented for their percentage in the bar when he bragged that women were overrepresented in his office when he was attorney general in 1977 and 1979. Well, that's a low bar because between 1918 and 1970, 164 women gained Arkansas law licenses. 22% of law licenses were held by women in 1998, 2 decades after Clinton was attorney general. We could not find an exact figure, but one could imagine the percentage would have been far lower in
2: the 1970s. Well, Harvey Weinstein could say the same thing. You know, look exactly. how many women that I, I've sort of helped in their exactly. career along the way. And look, I've just been so many women, so many women. You know, they could, he could say the same thing.
3: And as far as Donald Trump is concerned, he'd constantly blaming uh, U.S. Attorney Sessions, Attorney General uh, Sessions, blaming this, blaming that. Uh, I could, uh, I could uh, forgive myself. Uh, I could do that. You know, he's guilty as hell, too. <laughs> anybody that argues that strongly is usually guilty. Thou doth
2: protest too much. Yep, thou doth
3: protest too much is a fact. Thank you, the Bard. These people, honestly, I just, anybody who wants to be president is not my kind of person. Sorry, but it's just <laughs> true. I, I just, if you want to be president of the United States, you're far too nuts for me, so leave me alone. Yeah, president of the United States
2: and used car salesman. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Doug. Ooh, Doug Friendthaw. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, isn't he Fredthal. supposed to be in? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wednesdays, Andy. It's
3: only been Wednesday for what? Five and a half years now. Six years. Answer. I thought it was Wednesday for
5: a long time until like this morning, and I looked it up.
3: Well, I don't know that it
5: was Wednesday, and it
3: still is Wednesday. <laughs> no, it's Tuesday today.
5: Oh, you thought
3: every day was Wednesday?
5: I thought today was Wednesday.
3: I see what you're saying. Yeah, I've
5: been getting weird sleep. Why? I don't know. I think it's all the crap in the air. Oh, yeah. You mean, from? yeah, I understand. There's a lot saying. of pollen. I see what you're saying. Let's see. What's the pollen count? What's the pollen count? tech does a pollen count. Oh, but it's on the App Store. Oh, wait. I think it's on the web.
2: Here we go. Pollen count. Pollen to count. Pollen count.
3: I have to tell, I have to tell the people this. And again, I'd like to point out the two picture the people in the picture are white people, so don't get all whipped up. There's a white woman and a white man. I thought it said everything you need to know about today's primates, <laughs> but it says primaries. There's an R instead of a T. But I, you know, I suppose we are, all, we all are primates, aren't we? We are all yeah. primates. So are we
5: technically primates? Yep, we're I primates, we were. Oh. Yeah, and I not simians. We were. Not simians, but primates.
2: Well, some of us in the room aren't simian.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one guy with a 30-inch inseam inch and 37-inch arms that's uh, pretty uh, simian-like. Fallen count is only 2.2, so it shouldn't be that bad. Shouldn't be. Yeah, here you go. Trump blames Sessions for Russian witch hunt hoax. What is he going to get off of Sessions' back? You appointed him. You know, did you make a an horrendous choice? Is that what you did?
2: Must have. Must have made the wrong
3: pick. President Trump blamed Attorney General Jeff Sessions today for the ongoing Russian witch hunt hoax, noting that he would have quickly picked someone else as the nation's law, uh, chief law officer if he knew of Sessions' decision to recuse himself. The president suggested that Sessions, who was involved in the Trump campaign, knew better than most there was no collusion. That's very true. The Russian witch hunt hoax continues, all because Jeff Sessions didn't tell me he was going to recuse himself. I would have quickly picked someone else. So much time and money wasted, so many lives ruined, and Sessions knew better than most that there was no collusion. Yeah, you said that already. How many times are you going to say there was no collusion? Because the more you say it, the more I'm convinced there was. I don't think there was collusion. Well, I, I just Well, no more collusion than normal. Let me put yeah, it that way. And no more collusion than on the other side. No
2: on the there, other there side. There probably yeah. was collusion on both sides. Oh, there definitely was. There's no question about that. And and Russia's not the only country. I'm sure Israel had their finger in the pie, and I'm sure that there's a a number of other countries who've had special interests here. Saudi Arabia, oh, do you think they may have had a finger in the pie, you know, want to maintain their relationship with America? Yeah.
3: Well, look who just got up. Oh. Just
1: got up. Are you kidding me?
3: Honey, you got a bill here you got to pay. (laughs) Again? $4.95. For what? Uh, It's for uh, 12 (laughs) copies and 24 scans.
1: Oh, Okay.
3: It's all right, don't worry about it all. I'll throw the money their way just mm-hmm. try Bills are stacking up over <laughs> the airport.
1: I so you've got the you got the paperwork signed.
3: Yes. She showed up literally two minutes after you. That's signed. one
1: of the reasons why I was late, is because she was uh yeah. calling me and needed directions. It
3: sent her to iHeart. And when she asked the reception I Heart? I Heart Radio, it's the next building over. Sixteen hundred.
1: Well what? You put in Tom Bernard podcast and you get sent to iHeart?
3: Uh, that's what happened to her. <laughs> oh. But apparently when she, she asked the receptionist at iHeart, hey, I'm looking for Tom Bernard from KQRS. She looked up and coldly said, he's not connected with us. <laughs> God. There's a little bitterness in their voice. <laughs> I grow up, right for God's sake. Grow up. I got yeah. a couple of friends in the building over there. So, Calm Andy, down. I wasn't
1: going to charge you anything for, you know, selling your house and finding you the new house. But now that you're making me do all this work, you're paying me. <laughs> so you know
5: The work of calling the insurance company?
1: Uh, yeah. All the work that you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I was
5: getting an insurance quote, but,
1: Oh well yeah. She said you said you didn't even know you had insurance. I your... didn't.
5: <laughs> I, I don't think I do.
1: You have to have you insurance. You have to have
5: insurance on a mortgage. Yes. Well, but I don't have a mortgage yet.
1: You had a mortgage on your old place.
5: Oh, you mean the... No, she's talking about the new place.
1: I understand that, but you did have an insurance agent is what we're saying.
3: Mm. Yeah, unless you're going to pay <laughs> pay cash for the house. That's different.
1: Then you should still have insurance.
3: Yes, you'll be fine, Andy. Don't worry about a thing. Everything will work out Yeah, it was swimmingly. one of those
1: mornings. It was like, what the heck is going on this morning?
3: I know. It is one of those days. I, that's just for like, sure.
1: It's y- like, y- y- y-
3: a Bigfoot-themed Branson attraction has filed a lawsuit over a TripAdvisor review left by a Kansas cattle farmer.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bigfoot on the Strip. Yes, it's called Bigfoot on the Strip, which opened in May of 2017 is a fun park that features thrill rides, a mini-golf course arcade, interactive virtual theater, and a tour of Bigfoot farms, which boasts the largest herd of Scottish highland cattle in the Midwest. On March 3rd, Randy Winchester... There's a rancher named Winchester. Come on. It
1: might be one of the Winchesters.
3: Yeah. Could be. Randy Winchester and his daughter, Emily, visited Branson for an annual meeting of the Heartland Highland Cattle Association. Don't name it Heartland Highland.
1: Those are pretty cattle. Oh,
3: Scottish, Scottish cattle. whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones. I, I think
1: they're the ones that have sort of reddish hair and they've got like bangs. I think you're right. <laughs> they're, they're long out, hair. And beautiful uh, big yes. eyes. Yes, yeah, they are. They're actually very pretty. How
2: do there they taste? Yeah, how do they taste? They taste good? Are they wagyu
3: They're cute. Are
5: they oh, used no. for food? I
2: think what? so. <laughs> yes, they are. How many people? Are are they cattle used? Food? <laughs> well, Yeah,
3: food. There's also milk. Mm, that's true.
2: Yeah. And
3: veal. On March 3rd, Randy Winchester and his daughter Emily visited Branson for an annual meeting of the Heartland Highland Cattle Association. They said they took a tour of Bigfoot Farms with other meeting attendees. After returning to his home in Johnson County, Kansas, Randy Winchester logged on to TripAdvisor an online travel site where he has left dozens of restaurant, hotel, and attraction reviews. He left a review of Bigfoot on the Strip, which the Branson attraction later claimed in its lawsuit was born of evil motive. Of course it was. And has exposed the business to contempt and ridicule. Initially, Randy Winchester gave Bigfoot on the Strip three out of five stars on TripAdvisor.
1: Why is this news?
3: I know, (laughs) I know, because they're suing him over his TripAdvisor posting. How can you sue somebody over that? All in all, a decent experience, but we had paid more than the $10 I would have been. Had I paid more than $10, I would have been disappointed, Winchester said in his review. He wrote about spending five to ten minutes feeding the cattle at the beginning of the tour and seeing maybe ten of the cows. Then, according to Winchester, the calls came. He updated his review to describe what happened. He said a man identifying himself as an owner of Bigfoot on the Strip had repeatedly contacted his daughter via cell phone and email and called his home phone on a Saturday evening to complain about his review Three stars is not that bad a review, is it? Would no, you not avoid really. some place that was only three stars?
5: No. I wouldn't. Two probably, but three no. Yeah. Three is like
3: borderline. The man had also threatened to sue him both him and his daughter. It'd be he and his daughter, but whoever wrote this really sucks. No, it wouldn't. And both yeah, sue both he would sue him and his daughter. You're right. It is right. I have uh, significant reservations regarding any business run by someone who seems to think it's an acceptable business practice to contact family members and associates of a reviewer because they seem to be unhappy with a review. Yeah. Winchester changed his th- three-star review to a one-star review. <laughs> well, of course he did. <laughs> Bigfoot on the Strip filed a lawsuit in Taney County on April 13th against both uh, against both Winchesters. As well as their family business, Dancing Cow Farms. Well, you know they've been bombarded with ones ever since they did this.
5: Probably true. Because probably people true. think they're so funny. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Trip Advisor. I mean, Trip Advisor? Bigfoot on the Strip. Uh, Branson? Branson, Missouri. Oh, they've actually been bombarded with fives.
3: Well, so there you go. So, so they're, they're this posting was, I mean Oh, wait a minute, I'll get sued.
5: This yes. was probably all uh,
2: whatever you a call scam. it. Well, yeah. A PR stunt? Reputation healing, or what do you call it it? when you reputation remodeling? Whenever you get a bad review, you... There's so many words for that now. Yeah.
5: There are. It's true. Yeah. Apparently, like, God, 10 people went there just yesterday after no one went
3: there for like a week. It's very weird. (laughs) Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Big foot on the...
2: Say, make sure all the guests... Oh, there aren't any guests? Okay. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Never mind, now. Well, that's that's dangerous uh, precedent to leave a review and then be sued. I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, don't want but, that. But, I mean, technically,
5: suing lawsuits like that, civil suits don't work on precedent, I don't think. Which is good, because otherwise you could sue anyone for anything and immediately win, because, you know, there uh, are a lot of judges who are very... Uh,
1: All I know is if I knew... A place that I was thinking of going to was suing people who were reviewing the place. Yeah,
3: I then would I wouldn't go. go yeah, yeah that's we will be right back. Tom Bernard Show.
0: I'm Brad Huckle, President of North American Banking Company.
3: Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Really? (laughs) We're all for blood. Well, they
0: don't have a Bigfoot
3: one, so. No, you don't have a Bigfoot song. I thought I saw Bigfoot standing in the
0: rain.
3: (laughs) We just did our own. I have a question for everyone at the table here. Mm -hmm. Kentucky Fried Chicken in Britain in England is uh, going to start serving. They they haven't yet because they don't have the recipe down just perfectly. But they're going to start serving vegetarian chicken, fried, fried chicken. Okay. Vegetarian fried chicken. Now I have a question for you. They're offering it as a healthy alternative. But if you bread... Mush! Um. <laughs> it's still going to be... I mean, the chicken is the least yeah. healthy, unhealthy part of Kentucky Fried Chicken. It really is.
5: Yeah, the breading well, and all the skin and grease.
1: Literally. You can have a light breading that's not deep fried. That well, then it tastes terrible.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's why they're it having a hard time with the, it with the, have, the recipe. It, right?
1: can, it can have herbs and things in it that make it taste good. What
3: happened to Kentucky Fried Chicken? Why did it hit the wall so hard?
1: I think it's just because all of the fast food... Is just going down. It is. Is
2: all of it tanking? And it's something from the last century. It is, it's a concept from the
5: last century. Yes, all the hipsters hate it. Yeah. Millennials
1: don't want anything that was Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. They don't want it. I
3: suppose, yeah. They'd rather buy
1: all new IKEA stuff and throw away, you know, their grandmother's antiques. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's why I said, honest (laughs) to God, Silicon Valley. Once again, I know, ladies and gentlemen, I talk about it all the time, but. When uh, Dinesh buys a uh, Tesla, Tesla Guilfoyle walks up to him and goes, What's that? It's my electric car. I'm supporting all the people of the world, and <laughs> the universe will be cleaner because of people like me who drive electric cars. And Guilfoyle goes, you do understand that most electricity comes from gas-powered plants that kick out huge plumes of black smoke? Don't you? <laughs> yeah, unless you got solar panels on your house. Unless you got solar panels on your house, you're polluting even more. <laughs> what a great show! I love it.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why Southern California wouldn't have more hydroelectricity with the ocean being right there.
2: Because they're phonies. Well, they. <laughs> <laughs> well, hydroelectricity comes from a dam, Come a dam. You well,
3: can
5: yeah, the ocean—you you can—you
1: can, can use currents. There are—it's oh, yeah. not nearly as
5: good as like a pro- a proper river.
1: Well, they should be able to figure that out. I mean, the ocean is a very powerful.
5: What they should be able to do is use the heat from Death Valley. Yeah,
3: because oh, yeah. that's
5: a lot of heat. That's, that's a lot like, of heat. I mean, man. it gets up to like 150 degrees sometimes. You know, you put a Stirling generator or something in there, and you know. It's not going to be much, but it's better than just having a big desert. That's
2: not helping. Well, just southwest of Las Vegas, they have a huge field of mirrors that shine yeah. up, reflect up mm-hmm. as a giant lens to yeah. a tower, which boils or vaporizes sodium, yeah. and then they they recirculate that for energy uh, you would production.
5: Think California would have a ton of those. Yeah, but, but that's
2: and that's the introduction to Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner movie. Oh. The introduction, right, yeah. the first mm. scene was that. Him flying over multiple uh, installations like that. Yeah. So the yeah. solar plants. Yeah, the solar plants. But the, it's kind of hard on the birds because the birds yeah. fly into. Yeah, yeah they, they can't do. see the uh, they can't
5: see the heat beams. And once you get into one of those, yeah, you're not coming out. Yeah, Same
1: thing with the wind farms. Very hard on the bird population. But yes, with are. the
5: solar plants, if you put like a grating underneath it, uh, and then you'll basically have infinite. Bird meat.
3: <laughs> oh that's <Bird> meat. nice. <laughs> they'll fly through the beams
2: that uh, get cooked in the air. There we Catherine, go.
3: Catherine, what's for dinner? Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, great Andy. What a great idea.
2: What what what's the what's Orleans? What what's the name of the uh, birds that they the songbirds they would eat in uh, France? Uh they eat something. They eat everything in, France. in France. Yeah, what well, you know, they, do they the you, you They cook them and then Canary. you put a you put a you put a, a, a sheet, not a sheet. You put a napkin over your head, and oh, as you eat it, it yeah. captures the fragrance. And it's just this huge, intense kind uh, of a thing. Maybe you put okay. the thing over your head because you're embarrassed to eat your, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, little tiny bird. Ortolan. 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 Ortolan.
5: They Ortolan. eat the bird what? whole, bones and all. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? Kind what?
1: Of, ugh. But yeah. We know it is another. You eat popcorn? No. It's
5: crunchy. It's just some. <laughs> just
1: it's an Ortolan
5: unique... or Ortolan bunting.
1: Oh, it's a bunting.
5: Okay. Baby bunting.
1: Yeah, buntings are fairly rare.
5: Not this one. Oh, there are plenty of those. But yeah, they them. literally they cooked it and then just eat it whole. It's like why? So I have a question. French.
3: <laughs> I have a question. What did, <laughs> what did Macron and Macron and Trump getting an argue, um, argument about now? Because I see they had a terrible phone call. So okay. what was the problem? Does anybody know what they were arguing no, I about? I know what they
2: are arguing about.
3: Fran- you know, France should probably shut up. You started both World War I and
2: World War II, <laughs> so why don't you <laughs> shut guess. it? Get back. <laughs> uh, yet yet uh, Macron's finance minister mm-hmm. is, is, being, is being investigated for corruption. come on. He's There's a-
1: never been any corruption in a in socialist government? country. <laughs> no. Or, or any country. Are, for that is fact. France socialist? Yes.
2: No, it's mo- not social. They're well, on no, their d- way, democracy. Come on. In the- yeah, they're
5: yeah. not
3: like Scandinavia.
2: By they're the way, close. Cassie,
3: we do this because Ralph is French. I right. We annoy the hell out of them. annoy the frog. <laughs> <laughs> annoy the frog. <laughs> Poke at the frog.
2: We're the poking brothers. at the frog.
3: I go back in my old neighborhood. The Laurent brothers. They were French, <laughs> and France is the greatest place of all. The- it's like settle down. Well, oh, back mm. then it was a lot nicer. Freedom fries. Le ma pay. I've always wanted to go to Bic. There's apparently a great golf course at Bic, where the big pen was
2: invented, actually. Huh.
3: Beak.
5: Oh, I didn't know it was French. Yeah, apparently
2: well, so. Well, so so are jeans. Jeans are French? Denim. Oh, denim that is makes from sense. Oh, yeah, that's right. Denim, that's right. Den, uh, denim is from Nîmes. You know, everything great comes from France, except, uh, for, except for the great stuff that comes from Italy. <laughs> Here we go.
3: When you settle <laughs> um, Ran the 80s where we lived. You know that Denim's I haven't owned sure. a pair of jeans. Uh, have you ever seen me in a pair of jeans, ever? I don't think so.
1: He, you uh, definitely have I don't indie. think so.
3: I don't think I've had a pair of jeans in 35 years.
1: I don't know how mm. you well, you've through evolved your life without
3: jeans. <laughs> you've evolved beyond jeans. I wear I jeans <laughs> or shorts. Those have, are the two things I wear. I have no reason not to want to wear jeans. I just don't wear them. I don't know why that is. Well, they're hot in the summer. Yeah. They are hot in the summer. So you have true. to get
1: your light denim. You get summer light weight. Denim summer weight down. Chambre.
3: Yes. 16. you have to get acid wash? Is that still a deal? <laughs> well,
1: they I don't think... call them acid wash anymore, I don't think. Distressed? Yeah, I don't think they're called acid wash.
3: I think that was the last time I bought a pair of jeans. They were acid washed or the really light colored ones. What yeah, that's, acid, that's washed. acid washed. Yeah. yeah, that was the last time I owned a pair. Of... And I don't know why. I have nothing against jeans. I just don't buy them. It's weird.
1: That is weird.
3: The Levi's and what's the other one? There's a Lee Wrangler, Wrangler Lee.
5: Hardly Lee
1: anybody Lee. Wears. wears those anymore. <laughs> what Lee jeans? Well, they do, but well, I don't know. Cowboys too. Cowboys wear
5: those. I would not know the difference. Great
3: guys, Lee.
5: Show me ten jeans, and I will not be able to tell you the no. difference in brands. Jean
3: Girard. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Great to be <laughs> like here. him. Okay. He's French too, by the way. Yeah. So we got another frog right there. What do you think of What do you think of that action? That should work out pretty well.
0: Well, speaking of designers. Uh, Within the hour, Kate Spade was found dead. What? Wrote, Kate
3: Spade was found dead? Of an
0: apparent suicide. <gasps> oh, man. Just yeah, you're right. Oh, you're yeah. kidding me. Yeah, it just started like an hour ago. People have been breaking the news. I love it. Why don't they bags. have it
3: up here? Well, what? here it is. 55 years old. It's
1: not even trending on Twitter. Yeah, but why? Oh, yeah, it Is, is no,
3: there it is. Gotta, gotta, let's give us a reason. Here we go. The They're American just... designer Kate Spade was found dead today, according to police officials. The police said that Ms. Spade, 55, was discovered unresponsive at a Park Avenue apartment where she uh, had hanged herself. Oh,
1: Oh. my God.
3: She had left Mm -hmm. a note, but the official did not comment on what it said. She was pronounced dead at the scene at 1026 this morning. A housekeeper found Ms. Spade in her bedroom hanging from a red scarf tied to a doorknob. That's a, she must have been watching the Robin Williams special. Yeah, that's the... Uh, so he killed himself.
5: The strangulation, not technically not hanging, I don't think. Technically, not, that's right.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that she had anything to do with her company since 2007. Oh, really? She sold her, oh. a stake in her namesake brand 19 years ago and severed all ties in 2007.
5: Well, but they recently, as of two years ago... Launched a new frat fashion brand called Francis Valentine. So maybe that I was didn't even Francis know what that Valentine.
3: Was. Maybe that was doing poorly, or
5: maybe there was some uh, shady business going on. Well,
1: that was—it's a very popular brand. I'm shocked.
3: Spade's husband was at the scene. What? He didn't know that his wife hanged herself. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. That sounds oh, very man. odd. How grim. This Is says.
5: That's yeah, a right. statement. A housekeeper called Miss found Miss Spade, but then it says Miss Spade's husband was at the scene.
3: A police what? spokesman did not know the whereabouts of Miss Spade's daughter. Born Kate Brosnahan in Kansas City, Missouri in December 1962, Miss Spade was one of the first of a powerful wave of female American contemporary designers in the 1990s. She built a brand on the appeal of clothes and accessories that made women smile. Her cheerful lack of restraint and bright prints striking a chord with consumers. She herself was the embodiment of aesthetic, of her aesthetic, with her proto 1960s bouffant, uh, nerd glasses, and kooky grin. Well, she was kind of a kooky looking. This wasn't a bad looking woman. She was kind of kooky looking. Mm-hmm. But what? She yeah, wanted to be up, I guess.
2: I want to know why. Did she have a terminal disease or did she have some other depression and cyclothymic kind of.
1: Okay.
3: Ms. Spade, who had been uh, the uh, who had been the accessories editor of Mademoiselle magazine, founded Kate Spade with her husband to be Andy. Oh, mm. <laughs> and a friend, Elise Arons or Arons, in 1993, frustrated with the handbags of the era, which she found to be over accessorized, she had wanted a functional bag that was sophisticated. Okay, and uh, what about her death? Let's I know. Get to the death who part. Who cares about the bags?
1: Now, what I'm has she sorry. been dead for two hours?
3: She's been dead for two hours. There's not already long. a
1: mini biography. Had a net worth of two hundred million at the time of her death in twenty eighteen. It's like she's well, been dead for two hours. She's
3: been <laughs> dead for two oh. hours, maybe three hours. That's probably that's probably oh. Eastern time.
5: Richard <sighs> is with us.
0: Hello, I'm with you. Richard, how are you? How are
3: you, Richard?
5: I'm
0: Richard, good. I'm good. very good.
3: I don't know if you heard this or not, Richard, but you know who Kate Spade is, the you know.
0: Kate Spade, yes, she died. Yeah, she she died. hung
3: herself. She right? hung herself, yes, yeah, just a couple hours ago.
0: My wife told me about it, yeah. Unbelievable. Terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, 55. She's got a 14-year-old daughter or something mm-hmm.
5: like that. Very unusual I mean, age do you do to, to do that.
0: Like, I don't know. How do you leave a kid? It's, you I know, agree. It reminds me of my old friend Hunter Thompson who blew his brains out uh, in front of his kids at uh, Woody Creek. I mean,
3: yeah. terrible. Terrible. Yes, Hunter, rest uh, No
0: matter how bad things get, don't ever get them. Let them get that bad. Right?
3: <laughs> don't ever let them get that bad. Yes. Well, that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that advice, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah. Richard Stratton, our special guest. a uh, and Network will premiere the original two-night biography documentary "Gotti: Godfather and Son." It is uh, in just four days, ladies and gentlemen, at uh, 9 p.m. Central Time. This documentary serves as a complete and definitive father and son story of two men who were raised in the mob and became the reigning king and heir apparent with John Gotti Jr. providing most of his extensive on-camera interview to date. The narrative spine of the documentary has never before seen segments from a 90-minute video of the last visit between a dying John Gotti Sr. and his son at the United States Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri. What a story that all is the Teflon Don and all the rest of it, and then, of course, after he went to prison, Victoria Gotti, his his daughter, I guess. No, his his wife and his daughter were both named Victoria, weren't they? Or aren't they?
0: Right. No, they are both named that. They are both named Victoria. Actually, there's a, there's a funny story about that, which I'll tell you quickly. Love it. When Victoria, the daughter, was born, John... was a a struggling young man, had no money at all. In fact, he was so broke that they couldn't pay the hospital to get the baby out. So Angelo Ruggiero, who was his best buddy, uh, stole the baby and got got the baby (laughs) out. Because the baby at that time was known as Victoria Gotti, because she was the baby of Victoria Gotti, that name stuck with her that's phenomenal she got that name because she was stolen from the hospital <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah it's uh it's interesting i i grew up uh in a pretty roman catholic neighborhood richard and uh people say what does that mean i said what well, means there are a lot of italians and irish people that's what it
0: means yep, basically. exactly where 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 would you grow up
3: in north minneapolis uh, uh-huh. Great neighborhood. It was wonderful. It was it was it was Catholics. It was black people, and it was Jews. That's who. The, it was a wonderful neighborhood. Fantastic neighborhood. And then they burned it to the well, ground in know, 1968. But other it, than that,
0: it's it, it's funny because I grew up in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Oh yeah. And there were no there were no Jews. In fact, uh, they were finally they allowed were allowed to join the country club, but now three two or three families moved in. The Italians all lived in one section the irish lived in another section but it was the wasps the yankee wasps who ruled and my parents yeah yep. who i come from that you know old new england yankee what they they didn't they didn't like the idea that i was dating irish catholic girls oh. i mean come on it's so, it was so crazy i mean it's not like that anymore i think that finally you know they in, in my senior year in high school they started bussing blacks in from roxbury with that whole sure. bussing thing but yeah. um talk about a different world. That was a different world in those days, man. It's just, I mean, it was white Anglo-Saxon Protestant rule, that
3: town. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I guess I can... I've,
0: been, I've been running away from it ever since.
3: Well, we both have. <laughs> we, uh, we'll just take a very, very brief break, be right back, and then an entire segment with Richard Stratton. And I have a question about the area in which you grew up. Well, Boston in general, not Wellesley, but... Uh, we'll be right back more with Richard Stratton right up. Okay, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first My Pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than fifty percent off his four-pack special we we'll playing this because John Gotti Sr. got life. That's really nice. That's life. Really nice, Cassie. Our very special guest, Richard Stratton, with us. A&E Network will pre- uh, premiere the original two-night biography documentary, Gotti, Godfather and Son. It premieres the 9th of June, just four days from now. Um, Richard, one question about Boston before we move on to, uh, to John Gotti, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Would you explain to me how it got to be that you're Irish and you live in Southie, or you're Irish and you're a townie? So in other words, you're Irish, but you're not the right kind of Irish. How did that (laughs)
0: ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what it was was Charlestown, Charlestown is where right. the town he'd come from. Right. Charleston was a separate enclave, all of its own. More bank robbers come from Charleston, Massachusetts <laughs> than anywhere else in the world. <laughs> there was a great movie called The Town that yeah. they made uh, about. you remember that? It was ben Affleck, I believe. Movie, But yeah. yeah, Ben Affleck. But those guys from... From Charleston were a breed apart. They were even tougher than the kids from Southie, and the kids from Southie were tough. Right. But the Charleston guys, man, they, and they became this crew of bank robbers. It was like something that they their fathers were bank robbers, so the kids became bank robbers. <laughs> it's like well it in a Unbelievable.
3: Actually, my next story. Armored
0: neighbor. cars. They robbed armored cars. Sure. You it was like Jeez. unbelievable. Richard, so, one of the yeah, houses I lived at. Boston in, is an interesting town. I'm just going to say one thing about Boston is the most ethnically divided city in this country. It is. People yeah. don't believe that, but yep. it really is. There's little neighborhoods, and if you're not part of that neighborhood, if you're not Irish and live in South Boston, you're in trouble. And if you're not, if you're black and you should, you better be living in Roxbury or one of those neighborhoods, or, or Italian, you, you know, you have to come from the north end. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Then there's, of course, the Brahmin wasps who live on Beacon Hill. There, you know? <laughs> it's, it's really fascinating.
2: It is. It's amazing. Yeah. That is fascinating because arguably you could say that because of all the universities that are there, it should be one of the most liberal thinking places be, yeah. and one of the most integrated mm-hmm. places in the United States. As you just told me that it right. is the most segregated.
0: Yeah. In yeah it's, it's interesting because in many ways it's a liberal state. If you look politically sure, there, it's almost sure. always a Democratic state. And but even I mean, Billy Bolger, who was the brother of Whitey, who mm-hmm. was a Democrat, but you know <laughs> these people were—they were all about themselves, you know. And there, black people better not come into South Boston, and there's going to be riots. So it's really—it's—it's it's fascinating to me that whole. Boston thing, you know, like I say, I mean, I live in New York and 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 really would not want to go back to Boston except maybe to visit because it's just, it's too clannish, way too clannish.
2: You know, you might be able to say the same thing about Los Angeles because so many of the uh, ethnic communities there are segregated. You have the Armenians in mm-hmm. Glendale. You have the uh, Russian Jews that are up around uh, Sunset. Uh, you have a uh, Hasidic community on Highland. Um, the, you have the Korean community down, downtown or east of, or west of downtown. So, you know, and even that's liberal too. So, you know, it, it's interesting, I think, that so yeah. much of that is, is self, self-imposed or, or
0: self-chosen. No question. Yeah, and I mean, in New York, New York is just the opposite. I mean, I live in Manhattan. I live in lower Manhattan, right across from uh, Ground Zero. I walk my son to school in the morning, and I might hear five different languages. Italian, Spanish, Russians. There's so many Russians around. Some believe yeah, yeah. growing up as a child of the, of the Cold War to hear all these Russians. But there's so many different uh, nationalities right in this area, all getting along, all living together. It's, you know. I'm going to say that's uh, my, my great thing about New York City. It's so cosmopolitan. It's
3: unbelievable. Yeah, New York's a great place. As a matter of fact, to, to begin talking about uh, John Gotti, uh, on that day, Catherine and I used to live at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue in Manhattan, and I was walking down the street. It was uh, in December. I don't remember that. It was just before Christmas, as a matter of fact. And I did not hear the gunshots, but I did hear about 7,000 sirens, I'll tell you that. I was like, what is going on? But I did not hear him, uh, Paul, Paul get shot, but I did hear all the sirens. It was unbelievable. The great
0: Castellano hit.
3: Yeah, the great Castellano hit, which was orchestrated by John Gotti, correct?
0: Indeed it was. And, you know, that's got to be one of the most dramatic mob hits of certainly of uh, uh, my lifetime. But... And, you know, it's funny because we did an interview with Bruce Cutler, who was a character sure. and represented John in all the trials that John Man, won. The he goes He goes on this rant. He looks at me and says, Now, Richard, have you ever eaten at Sparks Steakhouse or any steakhouse <laughs> on 40th Street in New York City and seen eight or ten guys walking around in trench coats and Russian hats and not think something was strange? Well, I would.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's right. He actually is right about
0: that. Yeah, he's right. He's right. He is, um, without a doubt, the, the the showstopper of our documentary series of the interviews with Bruce. He was fantastic, i got to say. He's just such a character.
3: He is, if people don't so know the one. name. If people don't know the name, Bruce Cutler is the kind of a big guy. He's bald. He's always wearing a suit. Uh, that's Bruce Cutler. You've seen him many times, even if you don't know who he is. You've seen him on TV a ton. It is true. He,
0: he represented he represented John Senior in the three trials that he was acquitted on, all three of. And then he and Jerry Shargel, Jerry Shargel also one of the top criminal defense lawyers in New York City, and then for the fourth and final trial, the government uh, through the judge, I Leo Glasser, um, denied Gotti his. Counsel of choice. They claimed that Gutler and and Schagel were house counsel to the Gambino crime family, and they eliminated from them from the case, which is pretty unheard of. You know, we do have supposedly a constitutional right to uh-huh. representation of, of our choice. So then, at the last minute, Gotti had to bring in another lawyer, this guy Albert Krieger, who came in from from Florida, and ultimately lost that trial. So that's an interesting kind of. Thing that happened at the end. I mean, not that John wasn't guilty, and as uh, Bruce uh, points out, it was really those tapes that were made in the uh, apartment up above the Ravenite Social Club that were that, and the fact that Gravano decided to become a government witness and testify right. against him. There was no way. There was no way he was going to win that that fourth trial.
3: No, no doubt about it. Sammy the Bull. God, heard... Sammy the Bull. Yeah, unbelievable. But
0: I think what 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 makes this documentary series different from all the other things that have been done on God and before is that really this is a story that looks deeply into the father son relationship and that uh, I think is what is special about it because you know I mean I'm, I'm a father and I'm a son and I had a very complicated kind of distant relationship with my father and I've always been intrigued by this this uh, universal relationship that men have with their fathers and thought to myself, you know, how do you grow up as the son of this guy, John Gotti, who was obviously uh, an extremely colorful, charismatic, glamorous guy, but he was a gangster. He was a mm-hmm. bad guy. Right. And how do you grow up as his son and and be not be drawn into that life? You know, you, ordinarily, I mean, the interesting thing about the Jews and the Italians, the Jews who were some of the first founders of organized crime, guys like, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky and those Mm -hmm. guys, they saw it as a way out of the ghetto. You know, we did it, and we scrabbled around for our money, but we don't want our sons to go into that life. We want them to become doctors and lawyers and whatnot. But the Italians had a different outlook because they had this this kind of traditional, honored society of the mafia. And for them, a lot of them did bring their sons into it. Joe Colombo brought his son into it. You know, a lot of them brought their sons into it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I was thinking to myself, you know, when I heard this before I would even started to cover this case, I thought, God, that must be something growing up as the son of that guy. You know, how do you do that? And then John Jr. had this very unusual defense, which was, yes, I was the son of the acting boss of the Gambino crime family when my father went to prison. But I left that life. I went away. I did my time in prison and I left that life. And mm-hmm. there's proof of that. And So I thought, yeah, sure. I didn't believe it when I was given the assignment by Playboy magazine to cover John's fourth trial, because he had three trials that all ended in hung juries, which in and of itself is extraordinary in the federal court in New York to get three hung juries. I thought, man, this is something. Let me go uh, cover this trial. So I covered it for Playboy and became convinced, sitting there in the courthouse every day, listening to the testimony that indeed John had withdrawn. And what was interesting about it was that they kept talking about this tape that exists. The government said, well, you know, there's a tape that shows that John Gotti Jr. was the acting boss of the Gambino crime family, and he went to his father, who's locked up in in, uh, Springfield, Missouri, at the federal prison hospital, dying of throat cancer. And that proves that he was the acting boss, because he he went there as, as his son's emissary. And then the defense said, yes, but that tape, if you look at it, also proves that he went there and asked his father permission to leave the the, the mafia. Right. And so they're arguing about this tape back and forth. And I thought, my God, I want to see this tape. And that's that's the thing that finally convinced me. So I go downstairs. I asked the lawyers, first of all, who's got the tape? And they were like, I, I don't know. We don't know. We, we imagine the government must have it. If the government's talking about it, they must have it in there. You know the, the clerks must have it. So I went downstairs in the courthouse, walked up to the clerk's you know, desk and said, "I'm here for the gaudy tapes." The guy looks at me and he goes, "Well, who are you?" And I said, "Well, you know, i'm I'm covering the case. I'm with the lawyers. I'm upstairs. I'm, I'm sitting in the trial, blah, blah, blah. Cam some line, and the guy goes and gets and hands me this ninety minute tape. Of, this VHS tape of this meeting. You know, when you're in my business, in the film business, somebody gives you a tape, you hang on to it. That's like gold. So I go back upstairs and I say to the lawyers, I got this tape. And they go, what tape? And I go, the tape you guys have talking about for the last two weeks. And I showed it to them and they go, how'd you get that? And I go, well, I went downstairs and asked for it and they gave it to me. And they looked at me like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. And then I stuck it in my bag and I walked out. And I went home and I put the tape in the machine and I watched it and I thought, my God, this is Shakespeare, this is Hamlet, to yeah. be or not to be a gangster, this is Julius Caesar. The father is like, where's your dignity? Where's your manhood? If they accuse me of robbing a church and I got the steeple sticking out of my ass, I'm going to deny it. And he just <laughs> he's who he was. He right. is that man, and he's every and the and the son who's this big bodybuilder guy is kind of hunched right. over. Sure. And you could see that the sheer force of his father's personality was beating him down. But then, interestingly enough, about two-thirds of the way through, the old man changes, and he becomes a dad. And he looks at his son. His son goes, well, you know, I'm not one-tenth of the man that you are, Dad. John looks at him and he goes, you know, that's not true. Because when it comes to being a father to your children and a husband to your wife, you're ten times the man that I am. And then he goes, John, you got to live your own life. If this is the choice that you wanna make, then go do it. But make sure you get what you want because they're never gonna leave you alone. The government will never they'll never leave you alone. They'll come after you and they'll come after you and come after you. Sure enough, they took him to trial four times. He got four mistrials. But it was remarkable to see him go from being the godfather to being a father. Yeah. And suddenly thinking, This is not this is this is my son, this is not me. I can't tell him how he's gonna live his life. He's gotta live his own life. So I, I was fascinated by that tape, and that was really uh, you know, what inspired me to first write this magazine article. I was uh, hired by Playboy to write a magazine article about the case and about John's um, fourth mistrial. And the end of that story is that after John got his, John Jr., now I've got the fourth mistrial, a couple of days go by, and my cell phone rings. Up in the morning, doing my exercises, and I answer the phone. I'd never met Junior. I'd met the family and met the father actually in prison. I go, "Hello," and he goes, "Yeah, this is uh, John Gotti. Is this Richard Straten? Yeah. I go, "Yeah, hey John, yeah, congratulations, A w- wonderful thing, you know." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, thanks." He goes, "By the way," he says, "You have that tape of, of the visit <laughs> between me and my father." Oh man! And, and I go. Yeah, I got it. And he goes, well, you know, I'd really like to get that, because that's the only copy, and that's the last time I saw my father alive. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, John. You give me an exclusive interview for this magazine article I'm writing, and I'll give you the tape. And that's how, ultimately, uh, I, got the, I got the interview with John. But I became convinced, and I said to everybody, well, why do you want to make a documentary about John Gotti? Hasn't there been a lot of stuff about yes to has? a tremendous stuff, m- amount of stuff about John Peck. There's a feature film coming out any day now which yeah. starring John Travolta. Right. But for me, what made it really a story that I wanted to tell was because of Junior's decision to quit the mob. I thought that was a very uh, brave thing for him to do. And the other thing about it that struck me was, you know, he knew his father was dying. His father had, at that point, literally months maybe to live. He could have just waited till his father died and then done his thing like said I'm I'm done, left the life. But he felt that he had to go to see his father and say to his dad, Dad, this is your life, but I don't want it anymore. I just want to move on. I want to yep. take care of my kids, my wife, your grandchildren. And that, 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 to me, I thought, man, this is, that takes some guts, you know, to face that guy who was dying and who lived and died for the mafia and was, like, you know, the ultimate tough guy. That took some, some courage on the part of the junior, and I, that endeared me to him and to this story.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, this Saturday night, June 9th at 9 o'clock Central Time, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern, of course. Gotti, godfather and son, Richard Stratton, thank you so much. Great, great storytelling.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I hope that it's um, good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye bye. We'll be back.
3: Tom Berdarnichon.